Podcast, the Video Game Book Club Podcast. Uh, today we're starting off 2021. Looking forward to that. Uh, hopefully this year doesn't suck like last year. Um, we're going to start with our January game, uh, Shinmu. Uh, I'm your host, Marcus, and joining me today, as always, are the homies. First up, we have Greg. What's going on? Next, we have Trevor. What's going on? And last but not least, making what his his triumphant return. Uh, did I did I get kidnapped? <laughs> Is that how this works? We have we have Dante uh, returning as a a, a full time member again. So I guess what you left on was it Doom? I'd like to say Psychonauts was the last game I played. That actually, yeah, yeah, that that sounds right. I think that was like February of twenty. 20- uh, 19 I think so it's been almost about two years so welcome back man yeah well jokes on you guys I talked you into t- um, playing Shinmu hey mm. I'm not complaining <laughs> no, uh... <laughs> they did it to themselves one of them literally I don't want to go into the process that we do but let's just say some people voted against their best interests and that's how you get Bad decisions. <laughs> see, see, I'm not even mad because you gave us uh, Sayonara Wild Hearts, so it kind of balances itself out. <laughs> the yin and the yang. I, I can see it. All right, well, I will kick it off to Dante so he can introduce the game. All right, well, the game, as I already alluded to, is Shinmu. Shinmu is a life simulation slash action adventure game. Life simulation isn't something you really hear that much, but that's probably the most descriptive term you can give it. The original came out on Dreamcast on December 29th, 1999, and then was later released on Steam, Xbox One, and PS4. It had a sequel in Shinmu 2, which was um, released in 2001, I believe, in Japan, and then it was released as an Xbox exclusive in North America sometime in the future. And then also Shinmu 3 came out in November 2019. Shinmu 1 um, sits at an 89 Metacritic. It was pretty positively received. Um, there were a couple critiques, which surely will be brought up during this podcast, so I won't go into those right now. It takes roughly between 15 and 20, 22 hours to complete. The head developer was Yu Suzuki, and the development team was Sega AM2, known for Daytona USA, Hang On, Outrun 2, and the entirety of the Virtual Fighter series. So the story of Shinmu goes like this, um, or the story of the development of Shinmu goes like this. After several successful releases, Suzuki strived for um, a longer AAA experience. He had mostly been working on, arc- on arcade games his entire life. So, in its initial stages, Shinmu started as Virtual Fighter RPG for the Sega Saturn. Eventually, as it became obvious the Saturn wasn't going to be a thing for very long, development shifted to Sega's next console, the Dreamcast. And from there, development changed pretty significantly. The Virtual Fighter roots were dropped because they weren't, I guess, premier enough, and Sega wanted this to be the quote-unquote killer app for the Dreamcast. And they also dropped the traditional RPG flavor they had for the game. Um, From what I read, the Sega team marketed Shinmu as a new genre called Full Reactive Eyes Entertainment, a.k.a. Free. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know, I know, I know. (laughs) 
The team worked feverishly to capture the look and feel of Yokosuka, Japan. The non-playable characters all have different schedules and an impressive amount of dialogue, even for today's standards. Um, they actually they captured weather data from Yokosuka in 1986 and used that as the basis for the days on the like that you play in Shinmu. So the weather you're seeing in game is reflective or reflective of Yokosuka 1986, like IRL. Which I thought was really neat. Apparently, they took um, screens and like data from 1,200 like actual rooms and 300 actual people, and that kind of was the basis what they used to create the actual like environment that you're in. And as I said before, it was supposed to be a system seller for the Dreamcast, um, Sega's troubled final console, but ended up being a commercial failure both the Dreamcast and Shinmu. Um, Shinmu's an open-world game unlike any of its time, and unlike most open-world games today. It's narrative-driven, and um, it has action interspersed throughout it. It popularized and named the quick-time event mechanic seen in many modern games. The game takes place on a calendar system with sped-up hours. One game, one in-game hour roughly translates to four real-life minutes. Many story elements of Shinmu require it to be um, require Rio to be at a place at a certain time of day, and there's no way to skip time ahead in the first game, so to speak. So in the downtime, players can talk to citizens, they can play mini games, train their martial arts skills, or collect capsule toys. The game is known for its voice acting. Um, one for how much there is, and two for how bad it is. <laughs> Shinmu was known for many memes before the collective internet started calling things memes in general. So, um, the story of the game pretty much starts off like this. So, in Yokosuka, Japan, 1986, a mysterious man by the name of Landy shows up at the Hazuki residence and confronts Iwao, um, Ryo's father, about a dragon mirror that he's after. Rear Ryo enters the dojo just in time to see his father murdered right in front of his eyes. Ryu was too weak to stop Landy that day, but he is sworn to get revenge and seeks out um, to Yokosuka, Japan to find out more about Landy. And the original Shinmu covers the first chapter of 11 planned Shinmu chapters. Please ask me about that in a moment. Got <laughs> and that's it. the intro. So I did. I had done a little bit of digging as well, just to in, uh, learn more about this game. And so I did run across the weather thing in the quick time event. Did you see? Did you see the the budget for this game? Yes. So somehow I actually missed that part. It was the highest budget game of its time, um, somewhere between forty seven million and um, seventy million to dis- um, develop. Yeah, yeah. Like they so. they claimed. It was about seventy million back in the day when it first came out, but then I think I saw like there was an interview with the developer in twenty eleven, and he said it was more realistically around forty seven million. Right, and they said like the other part of that went to um, Shinmu Two development. Oh, gotcha! I didn't, yeah, yep. I didn't see that. Um, yeah. Uh, and... Also, one more thing, I I skipped over one sentence, so. 
just talking about the scope and budget of this game, like all of that recording and voice acting and just open environments took its toll on like old discs. So the game actually ended up being four CDs long. There's three gameplay CDs and then one bonus disc that came with the original Dreamcast version. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know it was four. I thought I, I knew it was three, I guess, playtime. I didn't realize there was a fourth one with bonus stuff. Well, I think it's just promotional stuff and demos. So. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I saw that was that um, apparently in the original game they had phone numbers and they had to change <laughs> it. <laughs> they had to change the phone numbers because they were actual phone numbers in real life so the Japanese players were calling them when the game was first released. <laughs> yep. That was the thing. Um, so uh, two things. Um, I'm guessing you and maybe Greg were the only people in this group that had a Dreamcast. Yeah, I did have one. Yep. Did you guys have Shinmu? I rented it. I didn't I didn't own it, but I, I did beat it when I rented it though. Gotcha. Oh. Dang, are you calling them old or something? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I just I just was curious because I knew that these two uh they they had all they had all the games. They they were the friends that when you were growing up when you're like, Man, you get all you get everything like those were the people that I figured Dante and, and Greg were those two of our group. That's mostly fair. Um <laughs> I was gonna say I didn't have Shinmu on Dreamcast, even though I did have a Dreamcast. My first experience with Shinmu was um Shinmu two for the Xbox. Gotcha. And I forget how I actually got that. I don't know if it was a gift from a friend or I don't know how I ended up with it. Gotcha. Yeah. So this is, I mean, you know, this is your, how many times at this point, this is your second time playing it, Greg? Yeah, second time. And then, and what has it been, like, 20 years? (laughs) Yeah, I think I tried to play Shinmu 2 whenever I got that on, like, original Xbox. I tried to play it, like, maybe 30 minutes. I just couldn't get get into it at that time, but... Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, this is like my second time playing this game since, okay. you know, whenever it first came out. Okay, and then what about you, Dante? Um, My first playthrough was last year, pretty early in the year. So this is my second playthrough. Okay, and I'm assuming, just like me, Trevor, this is your first time playing this game? Yeah, I grew up in an N64 household, so... <laughs> Same. <laughs> 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 I only knew, like one person that had a dreamcast in my uh life i think and um yeah we weren't playing shinmu we went over to his house (laughs) Um, what did you play there was a rc car combat game that i feel like i was like the main thing we played i thought you were gonna say power stone no i i never played power stone until after college (laughs) It and yeah, like I, I wish I had played it back then. Um, I'm trying to, th- yeah, I'm trying to look up that game now. Um, so what what all did you guys play on um, this time? Uh, I played on PC. PC as well. Yep, PC. Okay, I did too. I, I, I saw that this game was on PlayStation Four, so I'm assuming it's on Xbox One too. It is. I originally played on Xbox last year because it used to be part of Game Pass, but they removed it. Mm, gotcha. Mm-hmm. The name of the game that I used to play on Dreamcast was Toy Commander. 
Okay, I've definitely heard of that. Yeah. Um, Out of curiosity, has... Okay, Greg, you said you started Shinmu 2 or something like that at some point? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, Trevor, I guess any of you, have you played any other other Sega AM2 games? Um, uh, Daytona USA, hang yeah, on. I was, I was about to say, Daytona USA, wasn't that an arcade game? Rolling yeah, Stars. Yeah, like they yeah. ported it to like a, like Saturn, and I think it ended up coming to uh, Xbox Live Arcade too. I'm pretty sure I've played Daytona USA. Yeah, I've played Daytona USA. If you've played Daytona USA, there's no way you don't remember that song. <laughs> that old soundtrack yeah, no. is a banger. You going. said uh, Virtual <laughs> Fighters too. No, so good. <laughs> Man, it's so, he is so happy. He is feeling himself, <laughs> unlike anybody has before him. <laughs> um, yeah, they also did all of the Virtual Fighter games. I mean, I've played Virtual Fighter, obviously too. That I, mean, I, I don't yeah. think I've ever played it on console. I've only played it uh, at the arcade. I remember Attic. playing Virtual Fighter. It may have been on PlayStation One. Probably two, because it, I think it went Saturn, then Dreamcast, and PlayStation. Yep. Yeah, I think Virtua Fighter Four was on. Uh, yep. Yeah, it was that, on PlayStation. That's when I really got into it for Evolution for the PS2. I just I was looking at um at the list of games and they have them like in line, so it says Virtua Striker, comma Fighting Vipers. And my mind immediately thought <laughs> striking vipers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, oh, one other thing I had saw too, Dante, was that uh, Rio in this game. You, you mentioned he was. If this was originally a virtual fighter game, but it was he takes the likeness specifically of Akira from the Virtual Fighter series, who's the main like, the Ryu character in that game. Or, you know, the Street Fighter yeah. equivalent. The... Street, yeah. I can kind of see... I feel like he's a little bit different. At I least guess like, they're doing that based on, like, the moves he has, right? Like, well, he well, well it was it was his his likeness and his hair, uh, specifically. See, I don't think his hair looks... Yeah, yeah, that's what I was about to say. Akira has this, like, very... Not Heihachi, who, Jin type of hair, where it's going, like, straight up. You mean that's Paul? <laughs> no, the high top. Well, not not the high top, but like you know, Jin from Tekken. Gosh! Oh, okay, 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 okay. Like gotcha. definitely anime yeah. style hair. But out of curiosity, Greg, did you have a Saturn? Uh, yeah, I did. But oh not, my god! Not like at launch, <laughs> but like after the fact. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> I also had a Saturn, but sorry. I had Virtual Fighter Kids for that, and I was wondering if anybody remembered that game. I remember. I wanted to play it, but I, I never did. It's really bad. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> anyway, okay, you guys answered my question about who played what, so. <laughs> of course, Greg had um, a Saturn. You probably had a Sega CD, too. <laughs> nah, see, I didn't go that far. See. 32X. Um, so, um, so, everybody played this on PC. So, um, and you said you didn't you didn't start the second game, Trevor? No. Um, I guess well, you, neither well, you or Greg completed this game, right. right? I got to the, I guess, the stopping point. So, yeah, so uh, one of the things Dante had said that, so normally uh, we, we try to play games that are, like, you know, no longer than 15 hours long. 
Um, this game uh, is longer than that, so Dante had like a, a stopping point potentially for us to play up to, which was, do you remember how far in Dante it was? Pretty much once you reach the harbor. Okay. Um, and that's what, that is the start of the third disc? It's the start of the third disc, but I don't think the discs are spaced out equally, so to speak. Oh, okay. Gotcha. But gotcha. I'd say it's about like, it might be about two thirds of the way through the game. Gotcha. And uh, so you finished the game, right, Dante? Yes. Okay. And I did as well. And then what did you get up to, Trevor? And um, I got to the harbor and I started looking for a job. Okay, and then Greg, how how far did you get? I'm on day two of the harbor. I'm I'm okay. against my better judgment. I'm probably going to finish this again. So, <laughs> so Greg has already beaten it once. Yeah. So, you know. Okay. Uh, before we get into talking about the game, do you intend to beat the game, Trevor? Mm. Are you done? Mm. <laughs> you just met best friend Tom, though. <laughs> you know. As much as I don't like games to go unfinished, <laughs> I don't know. This, mm, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into that. I do have one question though. Um, I was looking up some stuff on this game, and I don't know if we plan on talking about this at any time. But does this game have some kind of lineage with Yakuza? Yes, so I actually missed two of the bullet points I had. Um, So some people consider Yakuza a um, spiritual successor series to Shinmu, others don't. And Toshihiro Nagoshi, the general director of essentially the team that makes Yakuza, worked as a supervisor on Shinmu. So there is at least like some type of managerial link there. Uh, I'll say too. Uh, I've never played a Yakuza game, and I uh, I have a bunch of friends that had played Shinmu, and so um, after I had finished this game, I was like, should I start the second game, or is it worth it playing it? it? You know, and then people were like, well, like you can definitely check it out if you want, but like really, you should just play Yakuza because it's a better Shinmu. And uh, so I think like other people recognize that as well. I guess a modern, mo- mo- modernized version of Shinmu. Definitely. Yeah, I was about to say that's a good way of looking at it. Greg, have you played any of them? The uh, Yakuza games. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I played maybe like twelve hours of Zero, and then I got pretty close to the end of the first Yakuza when it was on PS2. Gotcha. Okay. Um, let's... Well, before we jump in, I do have one more question. Sure. And, Greg, you kind of caught me by surprise that, um, I didn't think you played this game before for some reason, because I'm like, there's no way Greg would have selected it if he had <laughs> played it before, because this super doesn't seem like a Greg game to me, but, <laughs> um, what was everybody's expectations going in? And I should also say, like... Marcus, I'm very curious because I know you only look at screenshots of games that we're selecting rather than actual like footage. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess we're starting with me, or yeah, you go. Oh, okay. Uh, so, I mean, when when this first came out, I mean, it had a it pretty much had a bad rap, at least amongst my friends, and it was just kind of one of those things where it's like it can't be that bad. So I checked it out, and I really, really liked it back then. 
even though I, I recognize how like mundane and kind of boring it was, there was something cool about the amount of things that you could do and kind of like the detail to the world. And I guess that's what kind of got me through it. But like, I mean, I expected to still kind of like it when I played it this time, but uh, I don't know. It uh, it just don't hit the same in 2021, you know? <laughs> what about uh, you, Trevor? When I watched the trailer for this game, I don't know if I watched any gameplay of it. Um, I think I just watched a trailer. I thought it was going to be like almost a like down to earth Final Fantasy more anime style game. Wow. Oh, it's down to earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like no fantasy elements at all. Um but I thought it would still be like have like a rich story behind it. You know, and then looking at the cover art, I was just like, "Oh man, look how they're placed on there." You know, they've got the <laughs> the girl behind them looking like something out of a Final Fantasy game. So there, there's got to be like some some deep connection there. I don't know. So, so I'm looking at the list of games that Dante presented us, and this was the only game that was like we all voted for. So no excuses. <laughs> it blew. I guess going into mine before we even go into Marcus, it blew my mind that they voted for this game because I gave them, I won't even say, like, I expected some people, it's like, oh, I might not feel this game or, oh, I might not feel this game. But then for them to collectively go on the game that I put in on the last minute, I'm like, well, this game's kind of cool, but I know nobody's going to vote for it. I'm really glad they're going to vote for something else. And then seeing that one get three to zeroed. That is how I felt these past three years. <laughs> Every time I'm just like, man, I need one more game to put on this list just so they they'll all yep. vote for Oscar's Wrath. And yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, uh, for me, I honestly like looking at the games that I didn't look up any of the games that were on your list. Because like I, I was familiar with one of them, the other one I was like, I'll give this game a shot, and it's in a franchise that I don't necessarily have any strong feelings uh, positively for. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I'll post I'll post the list real quick for you guys. But uh, yeah, with with this game, I I solely voted for it because um, it was a game that. I had heard a lot about and I was like recognized that this is a game that people talk about as like a classic video game and it's a super influential and iconic video game and I was like I want to see what it's about um so yeah I I didn't even I didn't even uh look up any any screenshots of this so yeah Yeah. had no no idea what genre or anything it was when I voted for it (laughs) Uh, oh, now I, now I remember why I picked it. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> Seeing some of the other games. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. No, well. I'm, I'm just saying this seemed like a very Dante game. Like, like Ninja Gaiden. I don't even remember it. Uh, what? And so I was just like... Like, not like the gameplay, but just kind of like the the timeliness of it 
I see. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I forgot about that one too. Yeah. So if this had been any I'm other not, month, I, I think that I think I did have that game on one of my previous lists. Um, you did. You did. Yeah. If this had been like a year or so ago, I probably would have voted for that one. Okay, looking at but. this, I don't even know why I picked Shinmu. <laughs> yeah, dog. Um, You're telling me I had to wonder about that for two months. I'm I'm starting to see my thought process for figuring that one, but yeah, well, um, I'm yeah. I let, let's can we talk about this game now? <laughs> let's go. Aren't we living this game? <laughs> it doesn't give you that option of you have to live it. So uh, I guess like let's touch on the story and what is covered in this uh, what this one twelve uh, eleventh one one eleventh of the game. Um, so uh, basically, you start off. I think it's a cutscene and it's some uh, martial arts kind of dojo, and um, you see a man being harassed by. Uh, some other people and uh basically it's this guy i think his name is londi and he kills this karate master he's basically uh uh trying to get some information out of him uh on some uh the whereabouts of some some uh like artifact um the guy doesn't spill the beans and uh i think your character uh, was it Ryu Rio Rio. Hazuki? Mm-hmm. Rio Hazuki. Um he's the the son of this karate master and uh, I think he stumbles into the dojo, sees his dad being attacked, um and uh he gets hit by some, you know, of the the, the goons, Landy's goons and then basically um I think uh I think he's uh, given an ultimatum to either, you know, tell the whereabouts of this artifact or you you die. And so your dad ends up telling the whereabouts of the artifact you're spared. And then they end up killing your dad instead. Um, And at that point, you I think you get knocked out. And then uh, fast forward and you're like, okay, what happened? And now you're trying to get revenge for the the slaying the murder of your father and that is basically the the gist of this story in this part of the game is that you are just trying it's it's a tale of revenge um did i did i cover all like for the most part is that pretty good did i miss anything seemed good to me um so the thing i really 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 like was struck about this game when i started it when we started it, it was like okay like with the shitty voice acting in this game, <laughs> it it just hit me as like a Shaw Brothers like Kung Fu movie, and like like straight up, I was in at that point. I was like, this feels like a nineteen seven like a late seventies to mid eighties Kung Fu movie. I freaking love those movies. That's, and that's what I thought they were going for. Yeah, but like you thought like, wrong. That's, that's just how it happened. Yeah, it didn't match the animation. Like, like it was like okay, I see where the dialogue is going, but but let's see like some of the um like the same choreography 
or like not necessarily choreography because I know at that time like the the technical limitations may have been you know I'm sure they didn't have um, as good of um, motion capture. Or, you have yeah, to remember yeah. this is like the first one of the first games to ever do this. So like, I, the, I gave them a break on that, but I was just like, okay, they've got to be going for something with this. Like the other thing though is I I don't necessarily feel like they purposely were trying to hit that. I just think that it was a byproduct of the technology at the time. So I don't pur- I don't feel like they purposely tried to make the audio sound the way it did. No, yeah, I think that's just like you're saying. Yeah, it's just because part- like like straight up like sometimes it literally sounds like somebody's talking in a tin can in a closet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the 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 voice acting, just the the the, the quality that they captured from the uh, voice actors is so bad. It's so bad, and like the writing in the game is like it. it the, the way the characters deliver lines is so stilted and so stiff. But like, I love it. <laughs> like, I. What's funny is, um, and I was telling Marcus about this before we started recording. Um, I actually had audio issues, like in the latter half of what I played through. And I think it was mainly because I had gotten a new set of speakers from my PC. So, um, I was not able to hear the uh, dialogue audio. Like, I could hear everything else, the music, the sound effects. But for some reason, the dialogue cut out. And I looked online, and there were um, people who had the same issue. And they said you could go into the settings and change it to, to game audio. Or you could toggle it. And that would turn off the dialogue audio, but mine was already set up so the game audio would already play. And so I tried toggling it and it still didn't work. But the weirdest thing about it was you can still hear, like, there's a a section in the game when you go into, like, a warehouse. When you're in there, your voice echoes, or the character's voices echo. You could hear the dialogue echoing in in that section of the game, but you couldn't hear the actual dialogue track. That's wild. <laughs> so, um, I was going to say one other interesting thing that I read about this game um, was that Yu Suzuki, after they had, I guess, done the Japanese release, he was insistent that all of the um, English recording happened in Japan. So, pretty much they just rounded up um, essentially random people in Japan that spoke English, and that's essentially the dubbed crew for this game. <laughs> That's what and, it sounds like. And the guy that would, um, I was streaming this game for a little bit. And one of the guys that would tune in, he was a super fan and he was telling me like, apparently the guy that does Tom, they just found him randomly at an airport. Checks out. That checks out. <laughs> I believe all of that. And then, uh, one of the other things too is, um, just reading about uh, what they what they added or changed for the remaster, um, they it was said that the voice quality is low, possibly because original voice recordings were lost. Um, so, like that could also be a reason why they just still like I, I think for the most part, by and large, they were untouched from how they were in the original game. Because I'm willing to bet that it was like. Either everything needs to be fixed or we don't fix anything because it didn't make any sense to, you know, like some characters to sound bad, some characters to sound good. 
So they just opted to not fix it, which I'm 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 here for the fact that they didn't. <laughs> it, it it kind of like helps create the vibe for me. Um. So yeah. Uh. And then like I guess the way the game plays out, and like you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like this is what you guys call an anime, a slice of life, like game. That I think I refer to it as that in our chat at one point. Mm-hmm. And like, so you you have like an overarching like your goal is to find out information about this mysterious person that murdered your dad, but you have literally no information to go off of. So I think when the game starts, you're just like, "Hey, there's this person that was wearing this weird Chinese outfit. Can you?" Do, do, do you know anything about the Chinese people in our town? Or, or you know, and, like, that's kind of how you start the information. Then later on, you're, like, asking people if they know Chinese or... And, like, you kind of learn about the history of, like... I, I can't be, can't remember what they call it, but it's, like, the three fires. Or, like, it, it was, like, teaching you that, like... Oh, the oh, three blades. The three blades, yeah. And it was, like, Chinese people moved to Japan... And they have one of these three specific like skill sets. Whether I think it was like what a cook, a, um, I can't remember the other tailor thing. and a barber. And essentially, they said like, and I don't know the like historical accuracy of this, but essentially like they're very easy crafts for people to start shops in or whatever. Like if they move to a different area, yeah, a different country that are you know like yeah, yeah. And like so, like it, it's just like it's really I really like how the game delivers information where it's not like a huge text dump. It's kind of like you're playing, in a sense, like detective. You're slowly piecing together pieces of this puzzle to like unveil like the actual thing. And yeah. go ahead. I was gonna say the you know, and if you were playing it without like knowing all of this it'd be a hassle but they they give you a journal where rio puts his own notes about like what happened that day like what type of information he's gonna try to find what information he's found so you're like literally pulling out this journal and like flipping through the pages and being like okay so so and so is supposed to be at bars at night let me look there yeah, and your journal gets updated when you find a bit of information that you're looking for or something that is relevant to helping you find the thing you're looking for. So it's like, yeah, you, oh, I need to find sailors. And then you may speak to somebody. And, and like, so the way you get information is you're literally just walking around. Uh, what is the town's name? Is it... Um, Yama- Dabuita? Is that... That sounds correct. Yeah, I think that's the main area you run around the most. And, like, so you're just walking. There, there's shops everywhere. Um, there's people just walking up and down the street. So you're just, like, you can stop somebody to say, like, hey, do you know anything about the Chinese or something like that? And, like, more often than not, people don't know what you're talking about or they're just like, hey, I'm just I'm late to work or, you know, I just got off work. I don't have time for this. But then, like, every now and then you may run into somebody that does have a little bit of information and it leads you into the next spot and the next spot. And I, I just really like the the way you have to be in this world in order to get information. I, I, 
I don't know how to how to describe it, like how to articulate what I'm trying to say. Like, it's crazy because this is what open world games could have been, but then Grand Theft Auto became popular and kind of like there's just this like split in the timeline essentially of like what could have been for video games and like Shinmu open world games could have been one thing and then but instead we all get these like big open expanses with like a lot of collectibles and a lot of like action versus this kind of like more adventure style open world with a lot of downtime and just like investigation and stuff like that yeah it's like it's more condensed but i think there's more things tightly packed within the nooks and crannies like you can go into any of these shops and speak with the people in there you can like pick up like damn near like it feels like every single place you can pick up at least four or five things like literally like pick it up and just move it around in your hand and look at it and investigate it which is just like it was super novel at first, and I was, like, picking everything up, and then, like, it's not something that I would have done, like, I, I didn't do it, a, like, a large portion of the game, but just the fact that it was in there and that you could do that, like, I, I'm just trying to, like, when I was playing this game, I was trying to put myself in the the shoes of somebody that was playing this in, like, 2000, and, like, I felt like I got a good sense of why people talk about this game and hold this game in such high regard because like it was doing some it is doing some crazy stuff and like stuff that like games don't even do now still you know that was an interesting way of coming at it though like trying to play it from that perspective mm-hmm. I think if this was my first time playing it I, I don't think I could look through those lens and, and like you know look at the game like that well it's just because like I, I We've played a couple of older games, and sometimes it's it's it seems a little bit disingenuous to play the game and try to compare it to other games that are coming out at the time. Right. So, like, I, I don't think I did a great enough job at doing it, but, like, when we played Beyond Good and Evil, and we played, like, Grim Fandango, and it was like, these games are, like benchmarks and like games that people tell whether it be a cult classic or like super influential to the genre and i feel like this game is definitely um, like up there for like both of those things as being a cult classic and super influential to the genre and i i tried to do a better job of just putting myself in the in the shoes of somebody experiencing this for the first time like i was doing but trying to experience it as like I've never played a game like this before. And like, it was a lot easier with this game because I've never played a game like this before. Cause they don't, they still to this day don't make games like this. Like when I play, when you play an open world game, like you have like a, a, a mini map in the corner of your screen. Like you have a HUD, like you don't have any of that in this game. Um, like if you want to see where you are in the city, you have to either, you have to like, you're learning the, layout of the map as you're running around there there are definitely maps on the maps in the level that you can run up to to view where you're at and everything but like by and large you have to memorize and like learn the layout of the city in order to navigate it which is not not something you do in open world games like normally it's just like okay i just pull up the map i'm gonna put my waypoint or my little marker there and i'm just gonna drive to it or you know Mm -hmm. and you don't have to worry about learning the lay of the land in the same way that you did in this game. 
And then, like I said, just being able to go into every single shop in this game and being able to, like, talk to all these different people, like, that's just not something that you normally can do in an open-world game. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, to your point, there have been so many open-world games that I've played where, like, I just have no clue where I am without the map relative to another location, but this game, like, everything's just... One, this game's kind of, like, small compared to most open world games, It's definitely games, so condensed, speak. yeah. But, like, I knew it was like, okay, you have to go to the arcade. Okay, I just need to hook a right here and I'll be there. Or, you know, I need to go to the Achiki, um Chinese restaurant or whatever. Okay, I just need to go down this street and I'll be right there. Versus, like, I remember playing Burnout, Revent- or, um, Burnout Paradise for the longest time. And I love that game to some regard. But I just never memorized the map, even after like forty hours of playing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like I mean, it's I think it's easier in this game because, like we said, it is condensed, and and you're spending so much time in this area, running back and forth, and like the 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 downtime in the game, you're spent in this environment. Whereas, like when you're playing a GTA or whatever, your downtime, you're not like going around the city normally. You're doing some type of like, I I, I don't know, like. I don't really feel like there's like downtime in those type of games. You're you're usually hopping from one mission to the next, you know. Like the thing though, like I think the the one of the things that like really really like hit for me was I was playing this um I had like a week and a half, two weeks off over Christmas time. So that's when I was playing this game and it was like, you know, 2020 and it was just like a pretty shitty year and and in regards to like everything that was going on and like one of the things that i like doing is traveling and like this game was like the closest i got to being able to travel i felt like because i it reminded me a lot of like when i was in china and like it 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 brought me back to like walking down like streets and everything in shanghai like how the, the this town was set up but then on top of that it was like i had been watching yu yu Hakusho, and like this was set in the 80s and like it 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 gave me appreciation for like japan in the 80s and it's like not something that i ever like thought about but being able to like see the style and the way people were dressed and like walking the streets of this thing and just like seeing all these people on the street where if I were to walk out my house right now and walk downtown Birmingham or whatever, I'm not going to see near as many people as I do in real life as I did at playing this game. And it just kind of made me like, man, like this feels really kind of cool and weird at the same time. Cause it's like, it, it, it feels foreign in multiple ways where it's like, this is like a, you know, a far East country it being in Japan and then being in the eighties. And then like right now, like if I go outside, I'm not going to see anybody. And so it just, like, it, it was so comforting and, like, it made me, like, I think I told Dante this, it made me nostalgic for something that I've never experienced. And it was, like, the craziest feeling I had playing this game. I was going to make a similar comparison when you mentioned the, um, like, watching Japanese anime. Mm-hmm. Um, because that was my first thought, like, going down into the city and then, like, seeing, like, um, you know, your house and then... Um, I don't know it just it it feels like you're watching an anime like I've never been to Japan but you know it looks like what they um depict in in anime 
which yeah. I'm, I'm sure is, is very typical of what Japan actually looked like at that time. Yeah. I, I like literally like I if if 2020 if if covid hadn't happened I think I would have been flying to Japan right now. I had we had plane tickets and we were going to be in Japan uh this Sunday through the 7th of February. And I we had to cancel our tickets back in May cuz it didn't seem like things were changing. So it's like even kind of crazy to think about where it's like I would have played this game and had like an idea of how Japan was in the 80s you know like granted you're like a super small segment like this is not set in some big city like Tokyo or anything like that this is like a I'm assuming like a a small town or like moderately sized town it's not like a super large bustling city or anything like that but just it would have been so cool to have played this game and then like literally like bookmark bookend that with like a trip there to kind of like see things and like that's just like something that I am not able to do and so like it's 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 annoying that just 2020 was the way it is but I'm, I'm glad that i was able to play this game and like have the feelings i had about this game was this game uh or is this city fictional i, I think it's Kosuka isn't but i think it's set in to... a region but I, I think it's like a made-up city name i don't think it's a real place but i like i think like what dante had said um uh it's it's a yeah, from what I can tell, um, there's a Dobuita Street in Yokosuka, Japan, but it's hard for me to tell, really. Cause I see it, you... and it looks like, um, you know, Dobuita in the game. Like this, this one image here. Yeah, do- Dobuita is a real street in Yokosuka. I don't know how to say that. It says it, it had been modified in the game with this layout scale, so it's not an exact one-to-one. The other thing I was going to say as far as, like, you talked about how it was kind of this surreal experience, being able to kind of, like, walk around the streets and just kind of get familiar with it. I really like how this game, um, everyone already has, like, relationships with one another and, like, their decor with Ryo, the main character you're playing as, has already been established and you're kind of walking into it. So, like, when you talk to people, they don't treat you like a stranger that they've never seen before, at least, like, a lot of them. They're like, oh, Ryo, how's it been? It's been a while since we know we've last talked and stuff like that. So, it's something different than what you get in a lot of games. Yeah, a lot of games, it's like, it, 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 it's either your first time meeting somebody or they're going to, like, the, it's not realistic in how they depict the relationship because they're going to just say stuff that if they if, if you were to talk to this person in real life, then it's like, why are you bringing up this thing? Like, I, we, I've, known, I've known you for two years. You don't need to say this. But, like, it, and for whatever reason in video games, they do that a lot where it's just, like, they pretend like it's your first time meeting somebody and so they have to give some weird background on this character in order for it to make sense and like they don't hold your hand in this game and this game is like you're you're plopped in in the middle of like a, your relationship with this person so i think that that girl um uh i can't think of what what is a love in, interest i'm drawing a was blank on her name right now. i'm really like i haven't played this game in like three months or three weeks so i'm like all the names are out no of zoomy head, no zoomy Nozumi. And yeah, so like she works at a flower shop and like she like always is forever telling you to be careful and like it like it made me think of the relationship that Yu Yu has <laughs> in you know Yu Yu Hakusho. 
and where it's just like oh like there's this person that's looking out for him that they probably known each other she like low-key is crushing on him but he's like too preoccupied in his own stuff to give her any and pay her any attention and yeah like i don't know i just i just saw a lot of parallels to different things that i had like media and just things that had been going on and stuff that i was consuming at the time and and yeah, and, and and the game also like I, I saw this in a review and I and I really liked it that the game has a lot of contradictions too, where you're you know you're playing a game, uh, that is like your character is super driven and it's urgent because it's a story of revenge and like normally when you see that like that person is like take no shit type of character and like th- they that's juxtaposed with like, um you're playing like this it's slice of life it's like the 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 town and the area is like slow and seemingly pretty peaceful and like everything is thoughtful and like how it's it's meticulous everything is set up and like how thorough the the developers want you to be about going about the game and then also like your character is like this badass that can like you know he's the son of a martial art master and like he can just beat up anybody that he runs across but then he's also like super soft-spoken and kind and well-liked and it's just like a really interesting like juxtaposition that they do with the character and just the the environment that they're putting him in yeah there's like a lot of just subtext where you'll go large swaths of the game where you're just doing your thing and you're like Oh right, I'm I'm on a revenge quest. Yeah, <laughs> I've just been playing darts for the last two hours at this arcade. Yeah, yeah. or like so. when you're like you're seen as like some you know punk high school kid or whatever, and then like you run into some adults and then they're just clowning you, and then you just beat their ass. <laughs> <laughs> I guess going back to the like intimacy of the town and stuff, there's just this. Some would argue the game doesn't work as it is, but like. One of the things that just makes a game like feel like a complete package is their attention to detail, and you already hit on it with like being able to pick up items and just kind of like rotate them around your hand. But then you can also go in the streets and like they have these little um, toy capsule machines or whatever, and you I can just gotcha games before Smash even did it. You can just rotate the little collectibles around and yeah like it's small stuff like that like one of the big things for me is like every time you go back home because you have to go back home every day by is it 11 30 yeah yeah i think it's 11 30 anytime you get to the front door you you know you go through the front door and there's like a little ramp into like the main house i don't not a ramp but you know like one entryway 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 and every time like before you go up that ramp you watch this animation of Rio taking off his shoes yep. and then stepping up onto it. Yep. And every time you walk back down, you have this the opposite animation. Yeah, and your cutscenes will be done without your shoes on. Same thing with like when you go into the the dojo, you you have to go upstairs, and you have to take your shoes off, and yeah, like um, go, you can. Uh, there's little things that you can find where you can. Um, Every day you're given 500 yen by your, uh, I guess, maternal figure. Like, she basically is the owner of the the house that is attached to the dojo your dad was at. And so, like, you live there with your... You lived there with your father and one of his other students. Um, and uh, she's 
like the closest thing. They don't say anything about your mother in the game, so she is like the mom figure for you. And so she's always like saying, "Hey, be careful, Rio," and like all these things. And every day she gives you an allowance of five hundred yen, and um, uh. So like, and she puts it in an envelope by the door, and and you see your character, you know, oh, gotta get my allowance for the day and everything, and um, it's just yeah, like it, it's kind of interesting too because it's like I, I looked it up, so this game, I got really like nerdy about some stuff in this game, but um, so every day you get five hundred yen, and um, I looked up the inflation just because I was curious. And uh, so this game is set in 1986. So 500 yen uh, is 595 yen now. So it's like not a huge jump. Um, 500 yen in today's money is about $4.83. Bruh. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because I was thinking, like, I was like, 500 yen, like, that seems like a, like, I have no idea, you know? Like, yeah, to an American, when you just hear the number 500 associated with money, you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. How generous. But yeah. then if you think about it, it's like, well, a game of um, Hang On is 100 yen. Yeah, let's so. say the gotcha yeah. is 100 yen. So like, yeah, yeah. So, and so then I also looked it up and I was like, okay, how does that translate to, like, what about, like, you know, it's only 95 additional yen. Um, from 86 to 2020, uh, it should be very similar in the U.S. And um, it's $5 in 1986 is $11.87 in 2020. So it's more than doubled. <laughs> so, yeah, like, because I, I was just thinking, like, five, like, getting $5 every day, that sounds like not that much money. But, like, now, like, the equivalent would be you know, getting five dollars in nineteen eighty six, like every day your mom is giving you about twelve dollars. And I was like, that's a that's a little bit more than an allowance. <laughs> so out of curiosity, um typically speaking, how did you guys spend your money? Uh mostly on gotcha stuff and I did buy some stuff for the cat. So I bought milk. Um trying to think what else. I wasn't even aware you could do that. Yeah, well, yeah, you know you what? Buy... When I went to the store, yeah. I was like, there's got to be something you could do for this cat. So I was like, oh, yep. you know, I'll, I'll go buy some milk and just try this out. And it just so happened you can, uh, you can feed the cat milk. Um, But yeah, that and then uh, arcade games for the most part. Oh, and I yeah, did I buy think... some cassettes. I forgot about that, too. Cassettes, yeah. I think for me, when I started off, I was mostly just spending it at the arcade. And then later on, I started buying, like, snacks and food and like giving stuff to the cat like dried fish and um milk like greg said and then it was later on i think like the back half of the game is when i got really 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 into gotcha games and like i literally had like a document on my on my phone (laughs) and i was like checking off stuff as i was collecting it wow yeah did you actually get all of them i was really close and had i known there was not a new game plus or like some way like like once you beat the game like you can't play it anymore and i didn't know that was the case which it makes sense story-wise but um yeah i just i i kind of wish i had i had only had one save file and i like that, that's the death of that i should have i should have been smarter because otherwise i should have like saved right before i did the last thing and then just spent the rest of my time playing gotcha what if i told you that your um collectibles transfer over to shinmu 2 the shinmu but I thought in Shinmu 2, you, like, 
I thought like you're leaving the area. You can you can bring some capsules with you. I didn't realize. Oh, and me up. Okay. He's good. Trevor, how did you spend your money? I spent it all on moves. And I spent a majority of my oh, yeah. um, downtime um, practicing those moves. And, and never what? got to use I, them. I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> so, I did buy all the available moves, but... At least in my second playthrough. My first playthrough, I just kind of... I spent a little bit of money on Gotcha, then the rest was on the arcade. But this time, exclusively, my goal was to beat Hang On. I was not successful. My game... It's hard. I really like playing... Um, uh, Space Harrier? The uh, darts game. I really like playing darts, and I played the Quick Time Event uh, game. Those are my, my games. Which dart? Because there are two different dart All, machines. Both of them, both of them. Okay. Yeah, I, I just I really enjoyed playing darts in this game. I was so good at it in this game compared to real life. <laughs> Small random fact: Did you guys know there's actually like a permanent game over in this game? No, I didn't know that. So you can literally play until April fifteenth, oh yeah, eighty-seven. And um, if you manage to make it to that date, you get the bad ending. So. I thought that was pretty interesting because I don't feel like many games did that back then. As far as like, hey, here's like a permanent, permanent fail state. I don't see how you could play that long and have not, you know, got to the end of the game. Like, there's just, I don't, there's just not enough to do to, to like, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking about that. When much. you, um, uh, when you fail, there was one section, was it? Oh, the um, security. Yeah, to the warehouse. Eight. Um, if you fail, it'll tell you to come back tomorrow. Yep. And I guess if you keep doing that. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. You'd have to do that like 90 seconds. Yeah. That would be a lot of times. And it's like, if you fail it that one time, I feel like they give you the perfect pattern to run through it and not have to worry about it. uh, Oh, I want to talk about that section. Wasn't there a significance for that day being April 15th too? Like maybe not like April fifteenth, uh, nineteen eighty-seven, but like I thought there was like something significant in Sega's history with that that date. Let's see. Here's a Reddit. Why April fifteenth? I thought that was like an Easter egg or something. I I read that somewhere, but I can't. I cannot for the life of me find it anymore. Huh. I'll look it up. Let's um. We can move on, and I'll. Okay. Do yeah, some yeah. Investigating. Um. So, uh, let's see. We talked about yeah. So. Oh, like, oh the- sorry. Okay, I got it. Problem is that you start Shinmu two on April fifteenth, nineteen eighty seven. I think. Oh, okay. Okay. So. Um. So yeah, like for me, like my favorite like piece of this game was like the slice of life stuff. Like I was really, really, really drawn to that. And that was the, the the stuff that I loved about this game. And um, I, I wanted to ask you guys, too. Um, this game, like, I mean, we're going to talk about the action part. But this game, like, was like a, it, it, to me, it felt like a point-and-click adventure game. Like, I was getting, like, 
and I know like obviously you're not clicking and you know to move around and everything but it just like the way the game was paced and everything it did did any of you guys get like a similar feeling yeah kind of like the telltale games yeah yeah and and like I I, it was really interesting because like they're not like to me they're you know like it was like repurposed in a different way and I was just like huh like I've never got this feeling with any other open world or, you know, like, action-adventure game I've ever played. But I'm, I'm getting really, like, heavy point-and-click adventure vibes right now. I yeah, I, I definitely felt that way at, at certain points because, especially, like, um, I don't know, I'm sure y'all have played the Walking Dead Telltale game. Yeah. But, you know, in the middle of cutscenes, you know, there are quick-time events. And that's pretty much the only action in those games. Whereas, like the rest of the gameplay, I mean, you're you're essentially just walking around, talking to people, trying to get the right responses or pick up to, the yeah, items it, and take it to the next person. To open up, like either get the right item or to open up access to the next part of this level. Like, yeah, like I, yeah. It, and it, those it, can be some of the most heartbreaking moments too. Where I'm sure we'll get into it when we're going through the story, but like I remember. At some point, you're trying to get a ticket, and there's a ticket company that's very shady, and the lady's like, yeah, um, just come come back at 3 o'clock tomorrow. And you're yeah. like, wait a second. It's only like 4 o'clock today. What do you, you're right here right now. We, we're going to yeah. settle this right yeah. now. There, there was many times where it's just like, that was like one complaint I had, but like I understand that like they were trying to immerse you in the world that you're in and you know to get acclimated and just to to appreciate everything and just not push the the main story along but try to you know get invested into this this world but there were so many times where it's just like damn like this store is about to close and there's no way i'm going to be able to get across town to you know like go talk to this person here so like this day is a wash, or like I, you know, it's it's ten o'clock real at life. night. <laughs> I was about to say real life simulator. Yeah. yeah, where it's just like, damn, like I need to go talk to this person at seven at night, and okay, I go do that, and now oh, now I need to do this thing at that the store that I need to go to is closed, so I have to wait till ten in the morning the next day in order to be able to. And it's just like, damn, like. Now I have to kill like seven hours. <laughs> when Kados got to bring the van back home so his mom can get to the county building, <laughs> <laughs> got to be home for the streetlights. Like there's some charm to that, but at the same time, it also leads to like some frustration. Or at least led to frustration for me because it's just like, bro, I don't. What do I do? You know, it's like I can only go like, you know, go to the arcade so many times. You know. Like it, it's it's especially tough when you're low on money in the beginning because mm-hmm. like like you said like minimum everything is like a hundred yen and so I think you you know you're getting five hundred a day but like if you run out of yen or whatever then like you just kind of can't do anything and I don't think you can even go to sleep until I think ten o'clock at night I think it's nine maybe but yeah okay like one of the things I ended up finding out is if you look at your watch it speeds up the time. Oh, I didn't know. Okay, that was... Really? I could I've use heard that. Mix re- like... Dang. What's the word I'm looking for? It. I've heard placebo conflicted, stuff about conflicted, that. Conflicted yeah. uh, information. Because <laughs> I remember trying to do that on my first playthrough, and then I think I actually timed it. I'm like, I don't know. 
Well, I, I ended up, I just did it all the time. Then once I found that out where it was just like, um, I don't really have anything to do right now. And like, it, it, it's especially frustrating with the harbor. Like when you're, when you are out at the harbor, because you have to pay a bus fare in order to get there. And so there's like, you know, you're, you, you at the stopping point basically is when you get to the, the stopping point we set was the harbor. Um, Greg was two days into his job and Trevor was hadn't started the job but basically that's the way for you to you know build some some money and earn some money just doing the job that you have but the the frustrating thing is like when the day's up it's like i think it's like you know like a normal work day you're you're done at four or five in, in the afternoon or and then it's like okay um do i just chill at the harbor because i don't want to waste any money <laughs> taking a bus back to debuido De so like that that part was very frustrating uh, for me because it was just like I don't have enough money to ride the bus back, so I'm just gonna stare at my watch for seven hours. <laughs> I was gonna say like with the harbor in specific, like my criticism would be that it's a little bit more ambiguous as far as like when stuff is gonna happen because it's all almost all of it's kind of scripted at that point as far as like okay well these people are gonna attack you at nine o'clock at night or yeah, yeah. these people are gonna attack you during while you're riding the forklift and stuff like that whereas mostly the rest of the game it's like okay i need to find information on these people or come back here at this time so you kind of knew when you were hitting the quote-unquote checkpoints in the earlier half of the game but then when you get to the harbor it's a little bit more like ambiguous where it's like oh like i'm on my lunch break on the third day and now there's going to be this scripted cutscene, or oh like at eight o'clock i need to go by warehouse 17 and once you hit like a certain part, it activates the cutscene, and and it's just different things like that. Whereas in the in the when you're in the city, and I, it kind of makes sense though. When you're in the city, people are walking around like if, if they're living their lives. But when you're at the harbor, most people there are working, so like there's going to be you know the forklifts buzzing by and everything. So like it makes sense that they like you're not going to have random people just walking around that you can talk to because everybody there is working hey. in theory. Imagine being a a warehouse worker and coming home after a long day of work, and you turn on your Dreamcast and you pop <laughs> in. <laughs> I can't. I cannot. <laughs> there was um. You didn't get to it, Trevor, but I had to imagine and um. Uh, I guess. Slight spoilers for you, Trevor. You're not playing. You're not going to play. You're good. <laughs> you are good. So, so uh, you know, you end up telling Tom. You uh, you tell Tom that uh, um, he, he he's this uh, purveyor of hot dogs. <laughs> he's this dude. He has like he the, has himself on his shirt, my dude. <laughs> the worst. I'm just Jamaican saying. Accent I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> The worst. He's always got girls hanging out at his hot dog stand. Honey, that's his, his. Yeah, honey, honeysuckle, right? Or honey is his, that's his wife or his girlfriend? She's some black chick. <laughs> but oh. Tom is some like Asian dude. He has the worst Jamaican accent I've ever heard in my life. He has like these dreadlocks too, and he sells hot dogs. And anyways, at the end of the game, you know, you're you're telling him what's going on or whatever, and he's like, "Yeah, this is my last day open." We're moving. We're moving to the U.S. And then you guys have a moment, and you say, "Rio says, Tom, you're my best friend." 
And I said, imagine Tom being your best friend. <laughs> like, oh my god, that would be the worst. <laughs> Not only that, you have the revelation that Tom is like some crazy martial arts master. Yeah, can yeah, just kick bottles yes, out of yes. On the last day that he, yeah. <laughs> Was he no like capoeira or something? He teaches he, you a new technique. It's like a double kick, and I could see it being capoeira esque because yeah. he does do a little bit of like freestyle, and if I can recall right. Before yeah, him, yeah. So. But um. Yeah, that that was very interesting because he that character he, he was like the one character in the game I didn't like. <laughs> Not gonna lie, that beat that that's playing on his uh, boombox just got stuck in my head though. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That was the only character just, you didn't like. Who who else? Bruh, the guy. Um, so if you say Goro, the section that you're in when uh, you get your money taken or you um, you show up at the um, the travel agency. Yeah. For your ticket, and the girl's yeah. not there. Oh, that and dude. That guy is like the stereotypical <laughs> Chinese-looking guy. He had like a super high-pitched with voice the, when, he, uh, when you started going in on him. The bowl haircut and the... Yeah. The, man, I was so <laughs> mad at that. I'm just like, really? <laughs> <laughs> that quick time event with them two was pretty good, because then he, you, once you finish it, he takes them back to the shop. Like, first, I'm just thinking of like the... Like, how do you chase this dude down and then make him go back to the shop and still bug him there for the... <laughs> I'm looking for Charlie. <laughs> I gotta say, like, um, on top of characters that we don't like, even though he does redeem himself slightly at one point, Fukusan, the other guy at the Hazuki residence. Oh, the, the you didn't like the student? He's a bumbling idiot. Man, he snitched to Ine-san oh, that I was yeah. trying to get money for revenge. Hey. He just wants, you know, like he he just I'm trying to I'm trying to I was trying to uh uh think of a character I can relate him to, but I can't off the top of my head. Like any idiot sidekick character ever. Like he he's like a dumber version of Kuwabara from you. <laughs> like <laughs> an unlikable like Hey man, I know I got your funds cut off or whatever, but here's my piggy bank. There might be like 500 yen in here if you smash it. <laughs> oh, there was another character I didn't like, but I probably just didn't understand him. Um, and it was one of the antagonists. You, you remember the part in the game where you get your ass beat by a crackhead? Oh, Chai, the yeah, the yeah! golem looking dude, um, dude that's screaming out of his mind like he's on PCP or something. What? <laughs> I, I really Eat your ticket in front of you. I, I I really don't care about spoilers, but why why is he that way? <laughs> Do they ever explain that? So apparently he's like a really big Landy fanboy. He's not even part of Landy's crew. He just wants to prove himself. Oh, like dude in the um in three hundred. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think he might be the funniest character in the game. Just like when you're at the um, Warehouse 8 for the first time and you're trying to do the thing like with – who is the um, the master that you're trying to meet there? Yeah. Mark? I can't remember his Marcus, name. Marcus, do you remember his name? Was it Chin? Yeah, Master Chin. Yeah, Master Chin. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, well, good thing I found this mirror. And then you just hear this bloodthirsty cackling noise. <laughs> 
and then he just jumps down on you like some type of like rabid dog <laughs> and then he tries to escape and then he's like celebrating and stuff and you just hit like this forklift thing and it like he loses his balance and drops it and just starts screaming and jumps out of a window dude had ups <laughs> <laughs> but he was there any type of um i don't know instant or or something that granted him some type of abilities super villain abilities or something like that like does he have some kind of backstory so i don't know anything about his backstory but our epiphany i had because you do fight him later in the game he's just an exact clone of leon from virtual fighter has anybody played virtual fighter yeah i have yeah. You know Leon, right? Like, the dude that has that really weird crouching style and everybody mm-hmm. hates fighting against? Yeah. That is that exact dude, and it just hit me. That's kind of weird. You know what's crazy? It's like, I wrote down that um, he looks like Gollum. But this game came out before Lord of the Rings did, <laughs> like the, the movie did. So it's like almost like they took Gollum for this. Like, I don't know if they did, but it's just like... You know, Shinmu came out in '99, and Lord of the first Lord of the Rings movie came out in 2001. So it's like maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Peter Jackson is a Shinmu fan. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> That's it, obviously. He needs to get some of those royalties for Shinmu Four. <laughs> um. So yeah. Um. I guess we talked about like the slice of life. You know, like moving around. Um. You want to talk about like the just the time at the harbor. Do we want to, like, quickly go over just some of the points sure. before you get to the harbor? Sure, and go ahead. just, like, if we, you know, have any standout moments. So, essentially, you start the game. You're looking for a man in Chinese robe or something like that. In a car in black, I think, was the first, like, clue that you start asking people about. So, do that. Go and find the three blades... They lead you um, to try and find some sailors, and once you find the sailors, they point you towards, um, Marcus, you said the guy's name earlier, Charlie? Yeah, the um, leader of the, is it Heaven Sent? Something Mad like Angels, that. Mad Angels. Mad Angels, Mad Angels. And eventually, like, from there, it's like, okay, well, I need to, one... Um, find find Land D because he's apparently still here, and then two also um, make my way to the harbor and potentially get a ticket in case. Um... Well, I guess at that point you don't know Land D is still in the area, so you're focused on getting a ticket because you believe Land D has already left. So you try to get a ticket, you get screwed over by a travel agency. And then at that point is when you launch into this whole diatribe about finding a job at the harbor. Yeah, so, yeah I, I think the, the reasoning you, you try to get a job at the harbor is two reasons. It's you need money in order to afford the ticket, but also there are a lot of um, Mad Angel presence, which is basically the biker gang. And they have a lot of workers um, at the harbor, and they're also connected with um, the, the Chow Yu Min. Chi Chi Yumin, which is the Chinese cartel that so like there's some potentially in cahoots and know maybe where Landy 
the person that killed your father is located. So it's like you're kind of doing some type of reconnaissance to try to get acclimated and get into the Mad Angels, the gang, at least to either join them or get information from them about Landy's whereabouts. Because you're you're basically trying to earn enough money in order to get a ticket to Hong Kong. The one thing I right. one thing that was silly to me was like the way they kept talking about Hong Kong as if it was like some small town when it's just like you know I'm gonna get to Hong Kong and find Landy as if like it's just like oh he's gonna be greeting you when you get off like the the boat or something. It's like like Hong Kong isn't like a massive <laughs> place with a lot of people there. I just thought that was really like. It was funny to me. It was amusing because it's just like saying, "Like, yeah, I'm gonna go to Tokyo and find this person." And I just imagine, like, imagine going to a city in 1986. There's no internet, no like cell phones, like no social media, and it's just like, yeah, we're just gonna I'm just gonna run into him on the street. Like, what? <laughs> I mean, you just gotta ask about him. Ask about him just man like in Chinese green robe. Yeah, like you get to you get to Hong Kong, and you say, "Hey, do you know anybody Chinese?" <laughs> like, is that what Rio plans on doing? <laughs> let, let me just reiterate for the audience, like when he says when he's making the joke about asking for China, that is a literal line in the game. It's like, do you know where I can find Chinese people? Yeah. <laughs> do you know where the Chinese are? Like this game, like some of that stuff, like aside from the actual quality of the dialogue, not aging great. Some of the phrasing of it, the writing, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just not the best sometimes. Yeah, that that really caught me off guard when he was just like, you know where I can find some Chinese? I'm like, well, dang. <laughs> I mean, they I think it's, couldn't it's really say like anything because, you know, they they were surrounded, so. Yeah. <laughs> um. <clears throat> so, yeah, that, that that's your whole reasoning of getting a job at the harbor and, like, why you're so trying to get there. And um... I did want to ask, like... In the Dobuita section, because I feel like this game is kind of two sections. There's like the Dobuita, or I guess the, um, yeah, the one street section, and then there's the harbor section. Were there any like standout characters in Dobuita just on your day to day that you're like, oh man, I'm going to talk to them every single time? Or was there any moment or event that happened in that section that you guys found like, ex- you know, excessively entertaining? I talked to, uh, I liked messing with or trying to mess with the um, Mad Angel game members that were in the arcade. I would always talk to them and get them annoyed with me. You fronted with me. You said what? You fronted with me. <laughs> and then um, there was one uh, store owner. He never said anything like different, but I think he owned a sporting goods store. I liked talking to him. And um, but I think my favorite moment I think was the quick time event where you're trying to get information from Charlie. And you, like, kick a soccer ball into his face, and then you backhand the goon that's coming from behind you or something like that. And, like, that that scene was really, like, I, I really like how they decided to, the quick time events, what they were going to do. I guess for me, I really like the scene where you go into the um, bar where the sailors are supposed to be or oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And you just, like, they're like, oh, can we get some milk for the schoolboy? <laughs> <laughs> and then you just proceed to just destroy that shop where the owner's like, "Hey, we'll get you the information. Just never come back. Just never, never come back, please." Did y'all win that game of pool? I did not. I didn't. Yeah, I wish there was some way to like practice or yeah, play some more. Same. Yeah. Uh, did you guys ever talk to the schoolgirls that were just like oh, borderline yeah. harassing you? 
Yeah, every time, like, I guess all of them are like that, but yeah, anytime Did I saw they call them, you a creep or something, or a jerk? Yeah, they always call you yeah. something weird like that. There were some that would, like, cuss you out. Yeah. And you actually fight, uh, don't you fight some of them? Yeah, <laughs> the that was my second favorite scene. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that might be my favorite part. <laughs> did, you, I don't, did you get to see that, Trevor? I don't remember. I remember when talking to-, to those girls, because they're, like, right there at the corner when you first... Like leave. Um, uh, I can't remember the name of the the town. Yomancy like, or something yeah. Like that. They're like right. No, there so the so when you're at the harbor, there's a a lady there that sells like um, bento boxes. I think like lunches. She has like a table set up by one of the warehouses, and she introduces you to her daughter. Not her daughter. Her sister. Her younger sister. And she wants you to like. I think she wants you to go like follow her sister because her sister's been hanging out with the bad crowd or something like that. And so you end up like, I think she tells you like they hang out here at this time of day or whatever. So you head over there behind that warehouse or wherever uh, that she tells you to go to. And these two girls, school girls are like talking. And then like, I I, I forgot what happens, but like you end up beating up these two school girls. (laughs) Like, and like they were talking shit to you, and like they, they, like I think they initiated. I think they swung at you and yeah. attacked you first. So it wasn't like you went over there and just started punching some girls. But like it was just like, oh, they attacked you, and then you beat their asses, and it was like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, uh, yeah. I put like my favorite moment was the kicking the soccer ball in the Charlie's face, or when uh, Rio beats up on Mai's hood rat friends. <laughs> I don't know how I missed this, like. I'm pretty thorough, and I think it is something no, you I can never... miss. It's not like a required thing. Yeah, yeah, because they they have like I, I, that was one of the things I noticed with the um, harbor was there were moments that you could like miss things. Like, did you guys end up like feeding the hobo that was outside of the warehouse? Yeah, yeah, I did. I didn't have any money uh, in order to do it, so I couldn't get him the drink. So I was like, damn. <laughs> He's gonna I hate didn't me. feed him, but he taught me moves. If I'm thinking well, about he, the same, he, like if you, yeah, yeah, it's the same guy. But if you, if you, um, at one point he's trying to get in. It's like kind of nighttime, or maybe it's like afternoon, and he's trying to get into a warehouse, and the guy is turning him away. Mm-hmm. And then he says, "Hey, hey, boy, um, you mind getting an old man uh, a soda?" And like, there's a vending machine that you're supposed to be getting it from, but I didn't have enough money to do it, so I just had to leave. <laughs> But uh, he he ends up being the person that teaches you moves later on. Gotcha. Also liked any scene that had Goro in it too. Yeah, he's pretty good. Oh my god, he's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Goro was the Korobara looking dude, Trevor. With the giant pompadour hair. Yep. Yeah, I remember the hair. Um. Yeah, so what'd you guys think of? I mean, I guess you didn't get to experience it, Trevor. But what'd you guys think of the job part? Because that was the part I remember when I was talking about. I'm about to play Shinmu. Everybody's like, "Oh, you're gonna love forklift races." <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, I actually kind of had fun doing it. I don't know why. Yep. I really couldn't tell you why I had fun doing it, but I actually did kind of like that a little. It's almost like the, I guess, not modern equivalent, but like, I guess the modern equivalent nowadays would be like a clicker or something, just something super mindless for most of it, where it's just like, oh, well, I've got to get this um, crate from warehouse three to warehouse eight, 
and as long as I meet my quota, I'm going to get raise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even though money doesn't even mean a thing at that point in the game. Hey, but still go for it. <laughs> yeah. I was definitely whip, whipping those boxes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, it, it was fun. Um, I enjoyed it. And did you guys enjoy the races, like the thing that, that you started off the day with to warm up? Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> I did. Although, freaking, we need to talk about Mark at some point, but funniest line in this game, probably, in my opinion, is just, on your mark, almost ready to go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> like, what? That threw me, I've never heard somebody say that before. That threw me off every time. <laughs> no, like, my, my favorite line was, um, and I hated it, it was uh, Mr. Chin saying this to you when you're, I think it's him, when you're learning a move from him, and he keeps saying, because I, I kept failing at it, there's no power in your arms. <laughs> yep, I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Mar- Mar- Mark, to me, um, he looked like Ryan Hart. <laughs> Like that's, uh, maybe maybe you didn't, did you meet Mark Greg? Uh, I think I did. Mark's the guy that heads the forklift race. Oh yeah, that like dude. That. Yeah, yeah. He looked like Ryan Hart to me. <laughs> okay, you know what? I kinda, kinda. Man, I felt bad for Mark because like I feel the like he was the guy? first one they always like the um, Mad Angels or whatever. They would always go to him and just mess him up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's because all the other Americans were sailors, so they were, like, tough. And Mark was just, he just some American that worked at the docks. The, uh... Yeah, like, ultimately, like, so for me, I... I enjoyed the job stuff. Like, it was, like, a nice, like, uh... Action or ch- just change of pace. But, like, all the Harbor stuff, for the most part, I didn't really care for. I felt like the game kind of dragged a little bit for me. Because there wasn't as much, like, in the downtime, just being at the Harbor wasn't as immersive for me and just as engaging as it was being in, down, like, in Dubuito. So, I I felt like this was a weaker part of the game for me. I guess that's because you got more freedom compared to, like, at this point in the game, you kind of... You got kind of got a job, so that takes up most of your day, right? You know. Yeah, yeah. It just, it just, and like I said, I, I was, I mean, we're trying to save money in order to, I, I, like, I, I didn't know what the stopping point of this particular game was, so I was like, I can't be spending money in order to take the bus back to Dubuito, so I'm just gonna spend all my free time at the harbor until time out, and then I can, you know, be teleported home. I literally don't think they let you leave the harbor until, like, 9 o'clock. Like, you get teleported there at the beginning mm-hmm. of the day when you have the job. And then it's pretty late at night when you can actually, like, go back to Dobuita. No, you, you could you could go back after the work was over. I th- the one time I tried, I think he was like, oh, I should probably look around a little bit more. And then I think I... That's what always happened with yeah. me. I think it was, like, two specific days, probably. Then, but, like, because I do remember to end up going back one day because I was just like, I don't have... I, I've got all the... I got all the gotcha stuff at Dubuida or at the harbor. I need to go back to Dubuida to do those. <laughs> um, but yeah, usually there was like some after after wor- uh, work stuff you could do, whether it was being uh, meeting up with some mad angels or whatever. Like just so like there was reasons for you to stay stay there later at night. But you could if you if there was no reason to stay back, you could leave. 
can, can we talk a little bit about like the plot so to speak at the harbor section yeah <laughs> yeah yeah there's just some funny scenes like essentially i think you're at the harbor for a total of like six or seven days total once you get out there and essentially like you get a job because you want to get money and you also want to find out more information about the mad angels so um you work your job and then i'd say pretty much every single day sometime between like lunch and the closing shift there's just something that happens to rio um from the mad angels he'll just like harass him during the work day or something like they'll be beating up mark or one day they just like get on top of your forklift or whatever and then you you drive them into a warehouse and beat them up (laughs) um (laughs) that was so hilarious and um eventually you find out like what is it there's like a group of them supposed to that are meeting up around like 10 or 11 at night one night do you remember that scene marcus meeting up with who the mad angels like i remember specifically like you get information like hey you need to okay i remember what happens nozomi gets kidnapped by the mad angels and they're like, hey, you need to be here by this time. You get her from the Mad Angels. And then they're like, hey, come back the next day. And we need you to meet, um, we need you to beat up Guizong, Master Chen's son. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then come back and prove your, I guess, toughness or something like that. Yeah, because the, so. the, the Master Chen and his son are working against, um, uh, the mad angels and you're trying to prove that you are trying to join the mad angels or something like that. you're trying to prove yourself to terry who i think is like the mad angel leader yeah 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 it, man i'm just thinking about how all these guys are dressed it is the, like it's cool but it's also like so esoteric in some ways i guess is the best way to describe it like, yeah yeah how's that going um so eventually on his way back from, I guess, his shift or whatever, you see Guizong, the person they want you to beat up, and you're like, hey, I challenge you to a fight. And then you grab him, and you're like, hey, I need you to let me pretend like I'm beating you up. And I'm like, man, if somebody, if my best friend came up to me when I just got done with a long day of work, and they're like, hey, I'm going to beat you up, and then it's like, hey, I need you to fake lose in front of all these people. I'm like, heck nah. Well, the thing is, is that Ryu's real best friend is Tom, so... (laughs) You're right. (laughs) But I forget how they get out of that situation specifically, but you and I think they end up turning turning on the the Mad Angels that are are watching you, and they both, like, beat up on the Mad Angels there. (laughs) That's right, because Terry has, like, a concrete pole that he tries to impale you with or something. Yeah, that, that starts the 70-man brawl, right? Yep. Yeah. Speaking of which, that was the worst part of the game. Yeah. I I have, like, I do have complaints about the game, and, like, one of the... I had questions, too, but, like, um, w- before we get into the brawl, what did you guys think about the fighting parts of the game? Eh... <laughs> Like I was so like I was so enamored when I when the game started and I was like, "Oh my god, look at this move list. Like there's going to be a lot of fighting in this game." 
and honestly, there was like maybe six fighting parts in the game, and they were all pretty underwhelming because it just. I just don't feel like this game was built like before. Like it was, but it like not well. And I also thought the all the fights that you were in, you were either supposed to win them or you weren't supposed to win them. So there is that fight that you fight, uh, Chai. Chai in the in the arcade. You can beat him. It's just super hard, and supposedly it's the hardest fight in the game. Like even harder than the. The boss fight, or like the last fight. Well, there were a couple. I think it's when you fight Master Chen's son, and like if he gets your health down to a certain amount, then you know you automatically lose. Mm-hmm. Or he just says like, "Oh no, I don't want to hurt you." Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the fight just stops. Yeah, I think that one ends in a quote-unquote draw, regardless. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I just I did not have I was not a fan of the fighting in this game. Like they take the the game is using the Virtual Fighter three engine, and so like your move list is like kind of set up the way it would be if you were playing Virtual Fighter. Um, I think specifically the character is Akira, that your moves are ape from. But like it just it never feels fluid. Yeah, it's Virtual Fighter is based on directional input and i don't know if it's because you have multiple opponents on screen most of the time in this game versus virtual fighter which is one-on-one but like it never felt like my movement input would be correct so if i had to do like a strong punch where i have to do back forward x or whatever that doesn't feel like you know if i did that it normally wouldn't come out that way yeah and then the the other thing for me it's just camera. Like, when you're fighting a group of enemies, and they're, like, it, it's just hard for... It was hard for me to target the one I wanted to hit. And so, it, the way combat usually worked for me is, like, I would try to run myself in a, in a spot so they're all coming at me from one direction. So I don't have to worry about, like, is this going to hit this person, or is this going to auto-lock on this person, or whatever? And that way I could just fight them all like straight on i just like that 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 70 man brawl or whatever was 70 man battle i had was Brutal. dumb i will say like i could have dealt with the actual capital c combat part of the combat being bad but the thing that really like killed it for me was the dodge being as flaky as it was yep. yeah where if i hit y is the dodge button but it never felt consistent as far as like the timing you need for a dodge Mm because you're either going to do the you know flash step back that you need to do or you're just going to stand there yep yeah didn't like it i i mostly like i will say that minus the 70 man brawl and i think the last fight um i think most of the fighting you can get through just button mashing Mm -hmm. like i i never felt like uh I had to out like it didn't seem like super hard. It was just like those two in particular. Like I, I ended up dying a couple times on the seventy man battle, and that was a little bit frustrating because then you had to go through and fight them all over again. And like you could cheese it, and like I tried to do that, but it, it still was a little bit funky. 
there's also a part in that battle that I'm really glad somebody was actually in the chat to tell me otherwise, but you literally have to move to the next sequence to or spawn. you'll just keep... Sp yeah. yeah. And this game's not like... That's not something that happens ever again in the game or ever before in that game. Because so. you're not playing that many enemies. <laughs> exactly. So, so, so wait, you were fighting everybody in that first opening area and then... Yep. Oh, see, like, what I was doing was I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure this is the 70-man thing, but, like, I was always progressing forward, so, like, more and more people were spawning, and then I get to the dead end at the end, and then that's usually where I was just, like, running around, because that was the most wide-open area, so I could do my strategy of kind of running and getting everybody yep. to be in one side of me. So, like, I often, like, when I was dying, I was pretty much at that point, I was trying to run past everybody in the beginning to run to that end part. So that way I could just fight everybody there in that wide open space. I was going to say one other thing that's combat adjacent but not quite combat is how this game teaches you moves. <sighs> where... <laughs> yeah. See, I had to bring it up because most of them aren't terrible, but what the game does is it get it pairs you up with a sensei and they're like okay well you need to get on your back foot and then thrust all of your energy forward with your front leg and your arm and it's your job as a player to translate what they're saying to the actual input so it doesn't say back xa or whatever it just it gives you that sentence or that audio dialogue, and you just have to be like, okay, well, hopefully I do this right. And typically speaking, there's like two parts to a move where you do like, I guess, the positioning, and then you do the execution. And they'll tell you, at least on the positioning part, like, oh, well, you needed to take a you know, further step back, or, oh, you weren't relaxed, or something like that. But you're kind of having to infer what you need to do from this audio they're providing. Wait, which part did you get that? Kind of tutorial. It's, it's, it's at the end. It's oh, at the okay. harbor. I was about to say because whenever I just wanted to, you know, practice moves, you could, um, if you go to like the parking lot or go to the dojo, you could look at the move list. Yeah. So like right. this one is before you get the moves. Uh, like later on at the harbor, you, there's three moves you learn, and like I think Dante said, one is from Tom. Um, actually, actually, I took that back. There's four. There's four. So there's yeah. I think there's one from. Um, Tom, there's two from that homeless kind of hobo dude at the harbor, and then one from, is it Master Chin or Master Chin's son? You can, so at that point you can call, um, what's it called? Um, Guizong from a phone, and then you can go to the warehouse and he'll teach you some moves, but then I think his dad also teaches you the final move gotcha and which i had to look up a walkthrough of how yeah yeah time. like i was the same as dante i had the moves written down it's like the moves are swallow flip the shadow step the shadow kick and the tornado kick and it like i kind of what dante said i had to like google like what is the input for this because they just keep repeating the dialogue when you fail like oh you're not starting off your back foot oh you're not you know like it it it's positionally like yes like i need to make sure i'm doing this thing correctly like and this makes sense but like i have no idea what the inputs are and it's kind of a shame for me at least because like in my idealistic world of worlds this would be like the perfect way to do something like this like oh 
I personally hate button prompts on screen, so telling me through dialogue and then making it like translate directly into game, that would be perfect. But unfortunately, the way it was executed here, it just didn't work. Yeah, supposedly um, that was something that... Oh, I just had it up. I just had it up. Um, yeah, so one of the main issues... This is on the like the wiki fan, fandom page. Uh, one of the main issues of the remaster is that it can be extremely difficult trying to learn the combat moves because the game does not directly tell the player what buttons they should press. In the original Dreamcast version, a monitor on the game's controller, VMU, the virtual memory unit, would show the buttons after failing to learn. However, in Shinnu 1 and 2, the player does not get this, so some just resort to looking up a guide. And I was like, that would be cool, like... You know, like, yeah, it's not explicitly putting a button prompt on your screen, but you know, like, you if you failed enough times, you could see it on the you know, the VMU, and like, that's just like something that they just didn't do for this for the, the remaster. And like, yeah, like, I, 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 I have no, I, there's you cannot. <laughs> <laughs> You cannot tell me that somebody figured out how to do this with the, on their first time playing this game on the the remaster. If the remaster was their first time playing this game, there is no way. I feel like everybody had to have looked it up. Like, I was playing this on stream and I just felt like an idiot. Because on paper, if somebody just sees you, like, do this, like, you're just in front of your TV and you're like, okay, well, you just need to do this one move. He's telling you what to do, man. What do you, what's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah. And I'm just there for like 15 minutes with this guy being like, oh, no, you need to put more power in your back foot. I'm like, okay, screw you, man. This isn't working for either of us. Yep. It's just like there's no way you could tell me that somebody figured out how to do this on their first, you know. No way. No way. Um, I guess from the 70-man brawl, you find out that Lan Di has actually gone to china at this or hong kong at this point right well you you had known that already like that was the whole point you were trying to you know save up money anyways but i thought at some point it's like oh he's actually still here or something like that oh sure sure i I guess that yeah i can't remember specifically but anyway you do find out like hey i really do need to go to hong kong and get this mirror back and also get my revenge so i think um, Master Chin pretty much funds you at that point. He spots you. <laughs> yeah, he, he spots you and he's like, hey, my son's gonna travel with you. It's gonna be a great buddy cop movie. We're gonna get this guy. All this stuff. And then out of nowhere, the one, the only Chai <laughs> appears, knocks down some, um... Some girl off the... Off, she's like fishing or something. He like throws her off the dock. <laughs> I missed that part. I was talking about the metal beams he he knocks onto you, but um, Guizong knocks you out the way and manages to break his leg in the process. Oh, yeah, the metal beams fall on top of him. Yeah. So you are presented with your final fight versus Chai, of all people, which seems like the most, like, on paper, if somebody told me that at the beginning of the game, I'm like, man, this seems super anticlimactic. <laughs> It was but, um, it was uh, rewarding, you know, to to beat his ass though. It was. How did you feel about that fight? Because I know you also said you've alluded that this fight wasn't easy for you either. 
I think you have to use your. Um... I couldn't execute it, man. I tried what? that move that you learned like five minutes before. Yeah, I, I figured out how to to do it, and then also there was like I think I saw something that somebody had said like if you use this move, like you can kind of get him in like a not an infinite, but like just makes it harder for him. And um, honestly, I tried to do that, and I was having difficulty. I think I think it took me two tries. Or I, I, I on my third try, I beat him. Yeah, I think on my original playthrough, it took me about three tries, and I think I got him on my second try here. But I wasn't able to pull off the one stupid move. Mm. I just couldn't. Anyway, you punch that dude <laughs> into the freaking harbor, mm-hmm. and you get on your boat and. Set sail for Hong Kong. Yep. Um, oh, so you actually do make it to Hong Kong? No, you set sail for Hong Kong. Oh, I was I was about to say like, I thought it was going to be like one of those situations. I don't know if you ever seen season four of the Boondocks. I think. I mean, I saw episodes. I don't know if. I... So so there's a, a a continuity in in that season where the entire family goes broke. And so they spend the entire season trying to make money, and it, it every time they seem like they're about to make money, you know, there's like a um, some kind of pitfall where they end up going broke again. And, and that's how I imagine this game going. Like, oh man, I finally got enough money to go to Hong Kong. Whoops, I gotta pay off these gambling debts. No, no, no. You only get the ticket even once. So, but um. Man, I got a little emotional on that last shot. It's just a very poignant thing seeing him on that boat, like pretty much setting off to the next game. Thought that was really cool. Yeah, I, I it, it was cool, and I was just like, okay, do I do I start it up? Do I do I <laughs> is is it time? And I ended up, yeah, you know, I did not. But um, yeah, it was it was. Um... Do you think you will? Yeah, I do think I will. I everybody was saying like don't play the third one, but I kind of like I I need to try the third one like as soon as I get done with a couple other games that I need to get through, that's definitely something I have a morbid curiosity about. That's kind of how I feel. Like and I and I what I've heard though with the second game and I kind of wish I had looked it up just to see what the differences were, but I heard it was like a bigger city, it's less uh intimate yes so i was i was a little bit concerned that maybe the thing that i like the most about this game i won't get in the second game it still has a lot of personality um i guess it's just a little bit more open so there's jobs that you can take earlier on in the game and you kind of have to collect money as you're going through and you don't have ine-san just give you money Mm -hmm. so there's that aspect. It's more open. You can actually fast forward time, so they did change that. Okay. So, yeah, it's got some differences, but it's still it's still a Shinmu game. Um, I had like a couple of questions. If you guys didn't have anything else, okay. Um, well, I guess for you, Dante, did you like how the game ended? I mean, I know you said you got like a, emotional, but do you feel like? Assuming like this was a you know twelve was it twelve st- st- uh, part story or eleven? From what I read, eleven. I've heard eleven and sixteen. Those are the two numbers okay. floating around. 
So. Okay, so like it's kind of hard because it's like we have no idea of knowing like so. all the twists and turn, right? Because there's not like he never spelled out this is the exact story I want to tell, right? So from what I understand, um, from the eleven parts, the first three games have covered roughly forty percent of the total, which. I don't know what that fraction is, to be perfectly honest. Wait, you said the first what games? The first three games cover 40% of that 11 chapters. Gotcha. So each game does not correlate to one chapter. So from what Suzuki has said, game one was chapter one. The boat part between one and two is apparently the second chapter. Shinmu 2 is chapters three and four. I'd like to say, and then I don't know what Shinmu three covers. You know, covers. So in theory, he could be. He said forty percent. So maybe 40%. The, the third one is chapter uh, five and six, or just five. Yeah, I guess five, five and six. Who knows? But I guess, like, are you? You feel like it's a good stopping point, then, right? I do. I like. I can see why people would be disappointed. It's like, oh, I didn't finish Land D, but yeah, that's like, kind of not... I, I know that's, like, not the thing, and, like, I, I, in my mind, Land D is, like, the big bad, so, like... I, like for right, me, it's setting up this epic, you know? Yeah, yeah, so, like, I understand. I, I kind of wish that um, there was more... It would have been nice, at least for me, I would have liked seeing Hong Kong. I didn't realize there was a sequence in between being in Hong Kong that that was another chapter. So I was hoping like, oh you, you you land in Hong Kong and now this is where the adventure continues in the next game. Well that that is where Shinmu two begins. Well like, you said there was a boat se- the boat thing that was the There is and I don't know if that I don't know if that's been released or if that's a comic. Oh gotcha. But yeah. So Shinmu two starts like in huh. Hong Kong. Actually yeah, yeah. it says Shinmu side story in an unlockable side story comic included on the Xbox version of Shinmu 2 and it's re-release Shinmu 1 and 2. And it says, yeah. Yeah. There is also a um, Shinmu anime on the way. Recently announced, I think, as of December. So I don't know what parts that covers. Well, I guess... Back by Warner Brothers. I guess, like, if we can't get it all in game format... The truest slice of life anime. <laughs> um, the other question I had was kind of going alongside the um, what was your favorite moment? But do you think this game has like a moment? Like when you, if you were to look back at this game in a year from now, will you remember anything from this game? Because I don't think I will. No. Yeah, I, I don't think I would. I don't think I will. Don't. Like, I, there will be things that I remember, like, quirks about the game. Like, I will remember how bad the voice acting is. I will remember how, like, Tom's, you know, whatever. But, like, I, I can't think of, like, a scene that's going to, like, sit with me. Oh, man. Are, what, what, are there some for you? Trevor, go ahead first. Mm, the most memorable memorable things about this game... I probably have to say the crackhead. Yeah, it's like the dumb stuff that this game does. Like, I'm never gonna forget about Chai jumping out of this random arcade 
that I was expecting to get my ticket to Hong Kong and then him grabbing it from me and swallowing it, eating it literally in front of my face. Well, or the- sure. Like, like I guess, like, to me, though, that's like 50 Cent, the, the ramp. Like, that is a very super obscure thing. Like, that's not going to be, like, you, you get but what I'm saying? I get what you're saying, but I feel like that's this game. Like, I... Gotcha. Well, so- I, don't, I don't think this game intends to be that, like... That memorable, cheesy. <laughs> well, it doesn't intend to be, but I think it's part of its personality and like something that you can't separate from it. Because it, because Shinmu Two is kind of the same way in a lot of ways. It's more of the same. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's just like it was something I was thinking about. Where it's just like I don't think that there's any like when I was asking people about the game and people were saying like people were saying, "Oh, you're gonna enjoy forklift races," and I'm like. You know, nobody said, like, oh, that scene with, you know, Nazumi or that scene with... Ch-. Like, nobody said anything like that. It was, like, the... the and, and I think that's a testament to, like, how good the day-to-day stuff is or how mundane it is, how, like, effective it is at being, you know, just like a slice of life that they don't really have anything that kind of stands out, which is kind of, it seems a little bit counterintuitive to say, like, nothing stands out about this game because I, I enjoyed playing the game, but it was just like, I'm a year from now, I'm not going to remember, like, any moment about this game besides, oh, yeah, like, the voice acting was bad, um... Chai was really weird looking, you know, like things like that. I'd be surprised, man, because like as somebody who literally played through the game like a year ago, and then I thought I was going to be in the same position that you're talking about being in, Mm -hmm. and then returning to the game, like I was like, oh man, I don't remember any of what I needed to do. It was kind of crazy how much I just remembered. I was like, oh yeah, three blades, I need to go to Terry. Terry is on this... um, or I'm not Charlie, Terry, Charlie, Charlie's up here on this, um, apartment, he's second floor, like, middle building, okay, I need to go to the arcade at this point, okay, you know, like, pretty much all of the beats, I kind of just remembered, mm-hmm. in a way that kind of shocked me, and I don't think that would be common for me in most games, like, gotcha. if I was asked to describe what happens in, like, the first Borderlands, I literally could not name you a single thing, and sure. I like the first Borderlands. Um, yeah, I guess I guess I get what you're saying. Where it's like, okay, I'm gonna remember that we have to find the sailor. I'm gonna remember like we need to talk to the Chinese person. I'm gonna remember that uh, I go to that dude's house. Um, the motorcycle part, I hated that. I forgot we forgot to talk about that. <laughs> where you have to um... ride the motorcycle to the seventy man battle. Yep. That part sucked. <laughs> Man, the first time I played through this game, I didn't know you could um, zoom in on people's like residencies or whatever. It's, oh, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know about that or the little address map thing. Mm-hmm. So, oh my god, that was a nightmare. I failed that like two or three times before I even got to the motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> but what I will say um, to kind of like wrap up as far as like, will I remember this game? Honestly, it felt like coming home in some weird ways where it's like, Oh man, there's Tom. Of course, yeah, man. It's been a while. And... <laughs> How's my BFF doing? Still running his hot dog shop. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think I'll feel that way. Where it's just going to be like putting on like a the uh, familiar pair of shoes or something like that. Where it's just like, oh, like this just feels right if I play it again. But like I, I just like 
I, I guess I get what you're saying. It's just like, like a, in the moment, like, I will remember everything, but like, uh, like, everything. Because Shenmue isn't really about, like, big moments. It's about the day-to-day. Sure, sure. So. Um, my last question was, I see which what you is did for everybody. What'd you say, Trevor? It's about the day-to-day. Yeah. Because you can't skip any days in this game. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what would you have liked for them to, to fix in the, the remaster? Hmm. Definitely the camera. So, like, I had a couple of things that I, I was thinking about, like, just, it was, like, the, the combat camera, the, uh, just redoing the voice acting to make it, like, not sound as bad, or, like, maybe the writing as well. And the other thing I had was, like, having a time skip yeah. feature. But, like, for me, like, so, f- from what little research I was able to do, they do have a time skip in Shinmu 2. So you can, do. you can skip stuff. And I think it was in the original game, right? Um, I, be- I, I believe know. it was. I'm 99% sure that there wasn't a move time ahead feature. I think the one thing they... I don't know if they added it or if it was just not enabled by default was the whole like fast travel that you get at the beginning of each day. Do you know when you leave the about? house? That was something they added to the port, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was added. I'm 99% sure that the original Shenmue did not have a skip time forward type of... Um... You said the original sequel. I'm saying Shinmu won on the Dreamcast. If oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And what I was saying was is they added it to Shinmu 2, but I wasn't sure if they added it in the original version or if it was just in this remaster. I'm pretty sure that was in the original. Okay. So, like, those are, like, the main things. It's like... And I, and I feel like, for me, I don't think I would like this game as much without the Slice of Life stuff, so I'm cool with the time being as it is. So, for me, I kind of wish they had done something different about the combat. Just in general. Like, I... It wasn't what I wanted to be. Yeah, I think at the very least, I think the game should at least have, like, a like two-time speed feature or something like that. Um, at least to make the time, you know, if they didn't want to implement, like, a time an emulator. Because you know. <laughs> um, at least, I mean, I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy twelve lately, so uh, having that in a in a game like that that's kind of monotonous at times is like a really good thing. Mm-hmm. What about you, Trevor? Um, are we still on features that we would want to see improved? Yeah, it's something that you wish they had done in this um, remaster. Definitely, just quality of life improvements because the menu is terrible. Like, I don't understand why the the save option and the exit option are in two different tabs anything else oh how much time we got left keep going um (laughs) i'm like you like the dialogue could definitely be fixed um even if it's like just even if they just made it feel more natural because i remember when we were talking at the beginning and you said they they just found people who could who could have um who could speak english yeah. To record it, and that's exactly what it sounds like. It, it sounds like they were just reading it. Amateurs. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than, like, actually, like, speaking to you, because 
I don't know, a lot of times it just doesn't seem like the dialogue matches with the expressions um, on the characters' do, faces. Like, do you think... Do you think that if they had a more polished voice acting, like, do you think that would improve the game? I don't. Because I don't either. I think it would be more captivating because this... The story doesn't have that much to it. Like you said, it's a revenge story. Yeah. But if they had, like, some more captivating dialogue between characters, like, and it felt like they were actually having a conversation and not just, you know, they're reading off sentences. So, so your your criticism is you want them to to not only fix the dialogue to make it sound more natural, but add more dialogue. See... Uh, I don't know if they necessarily need to add anything. Well, because like I, you're not getting like like the the default or the I'm busy dialogue when you're walking past a passerby and just talking to him. Like if you do it enough, you're you're like I, I feel like there was only like maybe five or six lines that people gave you. So like just like maybe varying that up and maybe making it twenty different lines that somebody could deliver or something like. Because like I, I feel like there was. At a certain point, I just didn't ask anybody passing me by on the street. Like, I never asked those yeah, people I after a while talking because I was getting the same dialogue options. Well, I mean, you can say that, but then you compare it to any other game. Yeah, I wouldn't ask that out of a This game remaster. has so much more dialogue than normal. Yeah, yeah you're, I yeah. mean, you're right, Dante, but like that's why I'm trying to figure out what exactly was the thing that Trevor was trying to say. Just, I would... Just the voice acting in general, like a just a better read on the characters to make it seem more natural and like you were having an actual conversation with people, rather than just this rote, um, I don't know, line of text. Mm-hmm. What about you, Dante? So, I guess two things. So the first thing, as far as what I would change, I would definitely be more oriented about fixing the combat and just the general like third person movement because the way this whole game controls is just kind of weird where you have to hit rt to run and like you kind of you're like a tank in some ways where like when you're moving straight you only have a little bit of leeway of like moving left and right but Mm -hmm. um that'd be like the main thing i i would try to address but then um as far as changing the dialogue and stuff like i would not change the dialogue of this game because i feel like that's this game isn't shinmu without that in my opinion at least like shinmu one and shinmu two mm-hmm. and then as far as the plot stuff goes like i get what you're saying with um not much being there but i also think like that's because it's trying to it's what it's doing is kind of better than most games where it's like, well, now I'm level one at the beginning of the game and now I'm fighting God by the end of it. This one's trying to do like an actual realistic pacing relative to the world and what's happening. So it takes roughly 30 in-game days, I'd say, to complete Shenmue on average or something like that. And like what Rio accomplishes and what Rio finds out during those 30 days is actually like indicative of somebody like or i shouldn't even say indicative but like kind of realistic with what somebody could potentially find out within a 30-day period and i feel like 
that pacing is kind of incredible how they do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here comes the 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 big the big one. You guys ready? All right. Greg, great game, great experience. Uh, I'm gonna say. Mm, I'm I'm gonna say bad game, good experience. Okay. So you did like this game when you first played it, and you're saying now as a. 2020 lens this is a or 2021 lens this is the bad game yeah like part of it has also been like i've had experience with the uh, yakuza series so it's kind of like that kind of spoiled me to something like this i know those games aren't necessarily the same but i mean they do share some similarities so it's like once you play that game that kind of polishes a lot of the stuff that shinmu does off it's kind of like hard to go back so that mm-hmm. that also could be what's making me not enjoy it as much now, but I think the game just hasn't aged as well, you know. Gotcha. Dante, great game, great experience? I would say very good game. Ah, oh, man, that's that's a weird question. That's a really weird question. Well, you're going to have to get used to it. We do this now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say good game great experience the one thing i kept thinking about over the past couple of months when i was thinking oh these people have to play this game and like i have to reassess my opinion on the game and stuff i'm like this is this is a phrase i could never really figure out what it meant but then all of a sudden when i played this game the second time it made a lot of sense this game is greater than the sum of its parts like yeah yeah every individual component of this game probably not really that good like i would say fair to middling to sometimes bad but the overall package and how they put it together i don't know it it is one of a kind yes i so yeah that's well put well put uh trevor great game great experience below average game interesting experience interesting okay interesting in a Ultimately positive, ultimately um, negative. I'm glad neutral. I tried this game out. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is, but it is definitely um, the second best game I've played this year for the podcast. Okay, <laughs> okay. Well, well, I say great game, great experience. This is the best game I've played for the podcast. Really? Yes. Oh, yes. wow. I, this year, this year, yeah. This, this, I'm telling you guys, like I just really, really, really like the the way this game made me feel. Like, like but I I know you like the other game too. That's surprising. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's why I said it the way I did on the last episode because we hadn't talked about this game yet. <laughs> um. Yeah. I. I. Yeah. It's just like it, it hit me at the right time. Like. I was like feeling nostalgic for a lot of the things that this game hit for me and scratched for me. So like, I think this game will have a special place for me, and like, it'll be weird to think about like, because I, I think like it will forever be tied to what was going on at the time when I played this game. So like, I think that when I play this game again, and you know, 
2025 or whatever, I will not only remember how the game, like, I'll be transported back into this game world, but I'll also be transported back to December 2020 and, like, everything that I was thinking about then, too. So, it, it'll be very interesting when I go back to play this game at some point. So, so you get to experience December 2025, December 2020, and December 1986 all at the same time, yeah, is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think that, like... I don't know if you guys have any games like that where it's just like, it's just, you get, you, it kind of like ingrains in, in a certain time period and like whenever you play this game or whatever, you can't help but think about like, oh, I was living in this house or I was, these were my roommates or the, like anything like that. Do you guys have that experience? Mm. No. Rock band and... Yeah, I would have to say something like that. Or, like I was unemployed when like Fallout Three was out, so like I literally played that pretty much every day. So yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, so like I know certain podcast games where like that we've we've talked about, and like the way I can remember is where was I living when we were playing this game, <laughs> and um, yeah, so uh, I. Really, really enjoyed this game. Uh, the, the slice of life stuff um, it left a big impression on me. Um, I guess the only other question I had is: Do you guys see at least uh, whether you like the game or not, or you know, do you at least see why people uh, felt the way they do and why this game is a cult classic? I mean, I, I totally get it because, like I said, you know, going back, I mean, when I first played it, you know, I, I really enjoyed the experience, and I just think. It just kind of, just kind of didn't hit the same anymore. But I mean, even saying that, I mean, I'm gonna finish it, and I'm more than likely gonna play the second game. So it's kind of like mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm gonna play Shinmu three though. I don't know if I'm sure. But sure. I'm at least gonna probably knock out the second one. So yeah, does this mean you're gonna check out some slice of life anime? Uh, you know, you talking to me? Yeah, Marcus. <laughs> uh, I. Maybe. <laughs> that, there's not that much fighting in Slice of Life animes. Maybe. There was one I just read about the other day that's supposed to be really good. I'm, I'm thinking if about it. short. <laughs> one of the things I had read was how this game had modernized and like how this set the, the you know, the uh, template for how modern games use quick time events. And I thought that was really like cool. And like just like something that like I never thought about so like for better or for worse see that's kind of like maybe my biggest quote unquote knock on the game that it made QTEs a thing well so what what I was reading and this was you know take it with a grain of salt it was from um, Giant Bomb but um, I think the way they had said it and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm trying to pull it up as I'm talking um, that you know it used the uh, so there were quick time events before this game, like uh, there were arcade games and, and things like that. But when I when they say like the, it modernized it or whatever, it's like it was like one of the first games that used them in cutscene uh, interludes to make the uh, experience more interactive and just to add unexpected surprises uh, during the game. Um, and I'm scrolling down now. I'm trying to. Um... I think it was the one that actually like gave 
QuickTime Events the name QuickTime Events. Yes, yes. Um, and then the other thing about the history of modern... So it says QTEs were revived and modernized by Sega with the Die Hard Arcade game, which I don't know if you guys played that. That game is awesome. Yeah, I did. And um, Shinbu. Uh, these games modernized QuickTime Event mechanic using the most cutscene interludes and otherwise more interactive game to make cutscenes more interactive and add unexpected surprises during the action. Um... Shinmu 2 introduced a uh, uh, variation called the Command QuickTime Event, which instead of inputting commands in real time, it freezes the scene and it and gives you a limited time to enter a longer stream of buttons, like almost like dial a combo for MK, I'm assuming. <laughs> Essentially, like, you know, you have those three or four seconds at the end of an MK um, fight to do the fatality. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, they just put the fatality on screen for you to do. Yeah, so, so. like... But they say, at least on Giant Bomb, they say the QTE mechanic rose to mainstream popularity in 2005 with its use in RE4 followed by God of War. said, while QTEs had previously been associated with Shinmu, a slower-paced adventure game, the use of QTEs in faster-paced action games, such as those two, led to a wide adoption of QTEs. So it's like Shinmu kind of laid the groundwork, but they weren't the ones that kind of like beat the horse and like popularized it you know uh, i don't know i'd say <laughs> arguably god of war did it but sure sure i think i at least had heard the term quick time event before then yeah yeah i do have one last thing i want to do so in 2004 shinmu online was announced and there is a let's see about two minute trailer for this thing i'm gonna put it in chat can we all watch this together all right i need live reactions to this okay so if we can just all get it open so and we'll just pause it after everybody got past their you know the ad bad which is probably 30 <laughs> minutes at this point is somebody gonna have to is trevor gonna have to put this into the the the, the... I just want the crowd to hear our reaction because there's going to be reactions. So you've watched it already before? Yes, I've, okay. I have. Hold on, this is real. So this is real. I've, like I vaguely remember hearing about this. So is everybody ready? I'm going to do a three, two, one, go. Once we're yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Trevor, ready? I don't think Trevor's playing. Trevor, <laughs> he's not playing this game. That's fair enough. Um, okay, ready. Yeah. Almost ready to go. Three, two, one, go. What is this weird chanting? (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, guys. It's Ninja Gaiden 4. (laughs) What the hell? Bruh. (laughs) It's Matrix Online now. (laughs) Why is everything so shiny and like why is every shot a person at the keyboard just clicking i'm i'm so confused (laughs) oh that's somebody playing huh (laughs) didn't this like like, debut at like a game show or something like that i think so man if only combat was this fluid (laughs) look at him he makes the 70 man battle look like nothing how did he get to... You know what? Whatever. I was gonna... <laughs> Wait. Where is this now that I think about it? It said Hong Kong in the beginning. 
Okay. This isn't my Hong Kong from Shinmu 2. There's a mirror at him. <laughs> mirror, I choose you. <laughs> oh, snap, he's logging in. <laughs> there's actual... There's another gameplay thing, so... That might be... I'm getting in the mainframe, guys. <laughs> Here's Earth. I mean, what possessed him to want to do... Wow. <laughs> Is this reboot? <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Player two, press character, start. <laughs> technically, I'm here. What? Look at me! I came straight out of Final Fantasy X. I have so many questions. Is this is MMO. <laughs> Shinmu Online, man. Oh snaps! Ka me ha! Wow. <laughs> Think about the gen- think about Shinmu and everything that you did through that entire game, and think about this trailer and what they showed, and do either of those things line up at all? When did this? When did this come out? Or like not the game, but like when did this trailer? I think it was announced in two thousand four, and I'm pretty sure that's when they showed it. Oh my goodness. Sign me up. Slice of life game to that. Dude, so you learn how to throw a fireball in Shinmu 2? Hey. No. That was, that was the most memorable part of this game for me. <laughs> so you're going to remember that years to come. Years to come. This website oh, is man. bad too. I don't know if you guys went to it, but the Shinmu, ShinmuDojo.com. And then they have a single, like I went, they have a tab that says Shinmu World. And then it says Shinmu World. And this is a unofficial, 100% unofficial fan created and fan curated magazine designed by the team here at ShinmuDojo.com. This is One the, issue. <laughs> it was released. Wait. Nuh-uh. Huh? There's a Kickstarter. This magazine, it says it was released January 2021. What? No. Yeah. No. I'm on the Kickstarter page now. Let's see. Yeah, dude, this thing is... Oh, (laughs) There's a Shinmu World magazine that's currently in its funding stages on Kickstarter. And I just went to it on Kickstarter and they had their last update three days ago. And, um, let's see, they are asking for six and a half thousand, six point five, uh, thousand, dang, why am I saying this wrong? <laughs> six thousand five hundred euros, and they so far have gotten seventeen thousand euros. Kickstarted. There we go. So, and it looks like everything is being delivered next month. So we need to get in on this and get the Shinmu World Magazine first issue. The world needs to know. <laughs> your name, hey, if you if you donate to the Kickstarter, your name goes inside the magazine. You can be a part of history. I love Shinmu now. One hundred and sixty-four pages. Of what? There's not one hundred and sixty-four things that happen in Shinmu. <laughs> they said to celebrate the twentieth anniversary of Shinmu Dojo, which is that website. They decided to create this magazine. Okay, now I'm looking at. It comes with a soundtrack, 
there's some pages that are dedicated to cosplay. Ooh, they got a quest guide for something in Shinmu 3, so when we get to playing Shinmu 3... Man. Damn, they lost me. They got cosplayers in there, too. <laughs> High-res photos of cosplayers in this magazine. <sighs> wow. I think I think we, uh... <laughs> <laughs> we've gone long we've gone on long enough yeah. uh Shinmu everybody you should play it <laughs> is that that's consensus right mm. experience it you definitely yeah. gotta if you don't finish it at least try it out you know I would uh, recommend everybody mm. yeah. I feel like if you're teaching a course on video games at some point Shinmu has to come up yeah like if you're getting your PhD in video games the history you, of video you, games when they do that quick like 20 second talking about uh, Dreamcast. They mentioned Shinmu and then they keep going. <laughs> so, what came out on Dreamcast? Uh, Shinmu and um, yeah, um, the next system, PlayStation 2. <laughs> <laughs> um, where can people find you at, Greg? Uh, you guys can uh, follow me on Twitter at Boombox Hero. Facebook should be the same. Uh, I stream at twitch.tv slash magnegro with a zero instead of an O at the end. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. You been streaming anything? Uh, I'm always going to ask. Uh, just uh, Street Fighter still, so I just picked up Hitbox about two weeks ago, so uh, I've been struggling with that. So I've been uh, trying, to, trying to get adjusted to that. So, yeah, I've just been playing Street Fighter and uh, a little bit of Tekken on Hitbox. Do you play new characters, or you play your main characters and trying to learn? Um, them? So, for Street Fighter, I've been just playing a little bit of everybody just to get used to all the motions I used to do on stick. So, uh-huh. I figure that's like a pretty good way of learning it. Gotcha. Yeah, it was like when I was transitioning from pad to 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 stick. It's really hard for me to play the characters like in Marvel that I played. I can do some. I can play some characters on on pad. Mm-hmm. But it was really hard for me to learn how to play them on stick, and like I just didn't have that that knowledge, and so I just like I'll play different characters. And same thing with Street Fighter, where I was like a charge character when I played on uh, pad, and then when I transitioned to stick, I was like, now I can do inputs. Let's go. <laughs> um, where can people find you at, Trevor? You can find me on the internet at Lyric Unsung. No streaming. Um, <laughs> no, I've actually gotten back into the Pokemon TCG online i'm sorry so um i've mostly been just playing that especially um uh, definitely didn't think we'd still be under quarantine at this point because time flies when you're having fun man. I, I started playing that again online just because you know it's bored at home and mm-hmm. i really wanted to go out and, and play but i guess now i'll just kind of um play from home um, and where can people find you at Dante? People can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash awakencloud. Um, streaming a variety of things right now. Um, mainly it's Ori and the World of Wisp, Crash Bandicoot 4, and a little bit of Demon Souls. And you guys can find me at Twitter, at, or on Twitter at Potato Salad. Um, Excited to have Dante back, you know, uh, have another voice of dissension on all the, the games that I like. So looking forward to that. Aside from this one where we're the 
you know, to an agreement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guess, obviously, yeah, yeah. To approving starting, voices, so to speak. Well, maybe starting in March. <laughs> uh, all I'm going to say about our next game is there's a lot of random encounters. Can't wait. Love that game. Um, so, yeah, uh, if you guys are playing along at home, uh, next game is going to be my game for the month of February, and it's going to be Mega Man Battle Network, so I'm super hyped about that. Um, so yeah, uh, be sure to pick that up if you can, so you can play along. Um, you guys got anything else? All right. Well, we're missed checkpoints. We're out.